On today's episode of Driven Too Far, we're continuing the discussion on what to expect as a first-year truck driver. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. How's your problem-solving skills? Uh, There's going to be stuff that happens to you out on the road uh, where not everything's always spelled out in black and white. There's not a policy and a procedure in a book that you can look up. Maybe even Google doesn't know what to do or ChatGPT can't tell you what to do. But I think about our trucks going west uh, through the Rockies and in some of those states out there where maybe cell coverage isn't as great. You're getting in the hills and uh, if you have some kind of mechanical issue with the truck, you're going to need to be able to figure out logically, okay, what should I be doing? What are the next steps? How do I correct this problem and get myself through the situation? So you have to have some some problem-solving skills for sure. The, the loneliness and isolation on the road, uh, some people really enjoy it. You know, you get out there by yourself and it's just you and the, and the view and the, the road in front of you, and it can be very rewarding and relaxing. But over time, it can become a little bit lonely. So how do you deal with those things? And again, only you know how you're going to deal with those things, but there's not somebody to talk to or maybe you're concerned or worried about what's going on at home and you don't always have access to communication with them to talk to them right away. So you're going to have to worry about a few of those types of things as well. I really want to hone in on the impact on your family. Uh, from I, I've been in trucking for almost 30 years now. And I did start my career as a student driver uh, back in 1995, and and I I was like most drivers. I was very excited to go solo. I wasn't married at the time. I uh, happened to be dating somebody, but um, I was very excited to get going, and I loved the job as far as getting in that big old truck and firing it up and, and going to the southeast part of the United States. It was so pretty, the highways down there, the trees, the hills, the mountains all those things. I really enjoyed that part of the job. But what I learned over time was the stress that it puts on families. And I've seen that throughout my career as I moved into the office and had different roles in the office. We've had student training programs. And if I have to say there's one thing uh, that is the biggest killer of truck driving dreams, it's that ability to adapt not just you, but your family also has to adapt to you being gone, the new schedules, things like that. And it's not as easy as it sounds. When you talk up front with your spouse or your partner and your kids, uh, it feels like everybody can deal with it. You know, it's just a week. You're just going to be gone a week. I'll be home by Friday, something like that. And they can do it, but uh, the stress will build because all of a sudden you had a a household where there was two parents, and it's really down to a single parent home. So that all those things that you were doing together as a family or as a parenting unit now falls back on your spouse because you're simply not there. So when it's running kids to soccer practice, when it's helping with homework, when some one of the kids is sick and somebody needs to stay home with them, uh, things like that, you're not there anymore. And those are the things that really add the stress to the relationship uh, and to the idea of you being a professional driver. Now, that's not saying you certainly can't get through that. And obviously, a lot of today's professional drivers have all gone through this, and they've figured out how to make it work. So it can be done. 
But I just want you to be aware uh, this is one of the things that's going to happen to you at some point. Missed social events, it will happen. Uh, you're talking birthdays, anniversaries, holidays. Um, you can, with the best intent, ask for those special moments off. So you're off the road and home with the family. But at some point, it's probably going to happen to you where something didn't go as planned and dispatch couldn't get you home on time for this or that. Um, or maybe you just decided that, you know, I really need the money. We need the money as a family. I need to stay out. And you have to stay out and miss that birthday party or that holiday or something like that. Um, so it's it's all mentally taxing and it will take a toll on you over time. But it's something you got to gotta think about. Financial pressures uh, as a driver. So this was one of the questions when I when I started the, the story at the beginning of the podcast. I was talking about my wife's friend that called and she was trying to kind of check out trucking, so to speak, for a couple of her friends. And again, that that person thought, well, I heard you can make really good money in trucking and uh that's true. You can make good money in trucking, but what do you consider good money? And where the concern is, is what kind of stories have you been told? Are the trucking companies or the other drivers you're talking to, are they being realistic about what first year earnings might look like? Um, if I were to say, these are rough numbers just based off my own personal experience, but you know, a regional driver, this is somebody that's willing to be out a week at a time, maybe home on the weekends type job. I think their first year they're going to earn somewhere 50 to 65,000 uh, is where I think their annual earnings are going to be. If you're an OTR driver, and this is obviously once you've gone through the whole training process and, and you go solo in your own truck, but an OTR driver, somebody that's willing to be gone a week or two weeks or maybe even longer at a time, yeah, they could make sixty-five to maybe eighty-five thousand the first year. Now you hear stories out there about new drivers starting at a hundred thousand a year. Is that true? Well, I suppose there's a unicorn here, or there, out there. I mean, it's certainly possible if you get the right job. But almost always, with the more money, there's there's more sacrifices that have to be made. So you just got to ask a lot of really good questions out there. But and then for the drivers that go through schooling and you know they're really just going through to get their CDL so they could be a local driver at home every night type thing what kind of money are they going to make 20 25 bucks an hour maybe 30 bucks an hour something like that uh, it's not fantastic by any means but you know what if if you don't want to ride a cubicle if you don't want to sit in an office if you don't want to stand in a factory line maybe that's a fantastic job for you so you just got to feel it out what's right for you. But the thing I've seen with local jobs, while that there's the appeal that you're going to be home every night, right? It's like, God, I can make pretty good money and be home every night and drive a truck, which is something I really want to do. There's a trade-off with local jobs typically, and most people don't talk about it. But when you think about what local jobs might be available in your hometown or your city, you're probably talking about food distribution or beer distribution, uh, maybe a ready mix driver, something like that. But while you're still home every night, you got to think about each one of those two. That ready mix guy, he might be up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, getting the truck ready for the first pour at six in the morning or as soon as the sun comes up. Uh, the food service drivers that you think of, these are the people that uh, drive the trucks to uh, maybe drop off restaurants and convenience stores and keep the food supply to them. These people might have 20 or 25 stops a day. 
And it's a very physical job, meaning they're getting out of the truck. They're setting up a ramp on the trailer. They're wheeling pallets of things off the trailer at each stop and wheeling it into that store or whatever that looks like. But it's a very physically demanding job. Uh, the beer distributors, probably not much different than the food distributor. You're making a lot of stops every day. You got uh, big stacks of beer on a two-wheel cart maybe going into some places where you can't really park right next to the store. So you got to wheel it a ways, or maybe they keep their beer storage in the basement. You got to go down steps with that two wheel cart. Uh, I've seen a lot of different things over the years, but just know there's a trade-off in everything. So if you want to be home every night, the trade-off for that is that the physical work is, it's probably going to be more than you think. And then if you want to go to the regional or the OTR type jobs, where you make better money, the trade-off is the time away from the home and the family. So that's what you have to be aware of. The other thing uh, when that friend called and was asking about driving jobs was they heard the trucking had a really flexible schedule. Um, you know, I don't know about that. I don't know specifically what they were looking at, but what I could tell you is in a typical region or a long haul OTR type of job, uh, each one of those assets, those trucks we have, the trailers that go with it and stuff, we really need our trucks to be working probably 22 days a, um, per month on average. So yeah, that leaves the driver probably somewhere between six and eight days a month off or downtime, home time, stuff like that. Uh, some companies just say, I don't care what 22 days you work, but I need you to work X amount of days per month. And then they do leave some flexibility to the scheduling. So those would be really great questions to ask. In, in our case, um, we, we allow the driver some flexibility that way, but we also expect the truck to be working each week. We have customer demands to, to be met and stuff like that too. So I'm not sure how much flexibility. That was kind of a tricky one because I didn't know what the other party was seeing or what they had heard. Uh, I, I think there's a little bit of flexibility to it, but if you're thinking, oh, I'll work 15 days a month and take 15 days a month off, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so it's nothing, it's not flexible like that, at least in from what I've seen. So what causes first-year failures? What are the biggest causes of drivers you know, going through the process, they get their CDL, uh, they go to work at that carrier, and all of a sudden something has changed and, and they're just not in trucking anymore. You know, from my experience, it was certainly the, the home time was the bigger, the, the home front was the biggest one uh, where everybody had to adjust to dad or mom being gone and it just didn't work out. You know, the pressure at home became so much, the spouse picks up the phone and just says, listen, this isn't working for me anymore. It's too much. I can't keep up the house. I can't keep running these kids all around. I need you home here. Um, so that's a very common one where in the beginning, everybody was excited. Uh, you were going to start this new job where you get to go out and see the world and you were going to make really good money doing it. And your spouse said, oh, yeah, I think we can handle it. We'll be fine. Uh, but it changes over uh, the course of that first year. Now, if you can make it through that first year, if you can navigate that, then I think you have a really good chance of being successful as a professional driver because everybody does adapt eventually. Uh, it's just getting through that transition is, is the hardest part. The physical and, de and mental demands of the job, uh, you know, we're talking about your, your home 
your family at home, but it's you too. I mean, there's some pressure on you being gone, missing out on things, you know, the little things in life, so to speak, they talk about. Um, yes, we have way better communication tools today than we did 30 years ago when I was doing it. Uh, if you don't know, you know, when I was started in 95, we didn't have cell phones. Uh, I don't know if the internet was around or not. If it was, it certainly wasn't like it is today. But you picked up your load, you drove 10 hours for the day, you parked at a truck stop and you went in and ate and you showered and then you went to a phone booth. And usually these truck stops had long lines of phone booths where you would sit in the phone booth and close the door, drop a quarter in the machine and you call home and you talk to uh, your wife or your husband, whatever it was, and maybe talk 20, 30 minutes and you just say, okay, this is where I'm at tonight. I'm spending the night here. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to drive to this destination tomorrow. And you were lucky if you talked to your spouse once a day. They had no idea where you were, you know, until the next 24 hour call in or check in that you did. That's kind of the way it was back then. So uh, you have a lot more advantages now. You can talk to the kids on FaceTime and, and just do a lot of different things. Obviously text. You can't do that while you're driving. Uh, but text is a very quick way to get a message across to let somebody know you're thinking of them or ask them a question type thing. Unrealistic expectations is probably a pretty big one. Why see drivers exit that first year? Uh, I think they get sold on the idea of big money um, and then, you know, the money's okay. Uh, but maybe they look at it and say, this isn't worth it. The money's okay, but it's not if I'm going to be away from home a week at a time, I need really good money. I need to justify that time gone. So maybe it's unmet expectations. Maybe they didn't do a good job lining themselves up with a good carrier to begin with. It, you know, it's critical that you get your foot in the door of a good carrier that's going to take care of you, put you through a really good training program so you can be successful. They teach you how to be successful. They teach you to make that money, those dollar numbers that you were trying to hit, and then get you home at the same time. Uh, so not all carriers are created equal, unfortunately, and some of them, frankly, probably just don't care that much. Financial strain can be a, a reason a driver might quit that first year. Again, they just didn't make as much as they thought, um, didn't work out for them. Health challenges, you start that uh, sedentary nature of the business where you're just behind, you know, you're just holding the steering wheel for eight or 10 hours a day. You're not physically moving. So if health is a concern, you might think about that. When you go looking for jobs, flatbed, tanker, some of these other things are a little bit more physically active. Uh, you're out there tying down loads or you're slinging hoses or doing something else besides just sitting in that air ride seat, uh, bouncing up and down the road. So typically what I see is guys that get into flatbed get into it for a reason. It's because they want that physical activity every day. They want to make sure they get out of the cab and they move around, they use their body. Um, I can tell you I don't have any overweight flatbed drivers uh, because these guys are they're active and, and, and they're healthy for the most part. So safety incidents might be a reason. Um, you know, when we hire student drivers, you expect some small things to happen. These are huge vehicles. Uh, you don't have a ton of experience yet with them. Uh, you went through six weeks of training on a, a, 
a gravel course at a school probably. You did a little bit of driving out on the highways. You've gone through a training process where you're assigned with the trainer, so you had somebody in the seat next to you all the time, kind of coaching you and helping you through things. But once you go out solo, there's a good chance you could make a miscalculation when you're backing into a dock or trying to turn the truck around. Uh, forget how big it is and maybe you drop the tires off the side of the roadway and get stuck or something. So I think a lot of companies that do bring on students expect some small things to happen. Uh, but it has to be reasonable too. If, if, if some bigger things start to happen or the company sees patterns emerging with the accidents or incidents and the, the driver isn't learning from them and getting better each step of the way, then that might be a reason that, you know, they get dismissed and say, listen, I don't, I don't think driving trucks probably the right thing for you to do. And I think just job dissatisfaction in general. So, you know, like you said, it sounded exciting at first and you get out there and it may be for the first couple months, it was all good and stuff. And then it becomes monotonous or, um, you know, you don't get along with the dispatch or you're driving in areas you don't feel comfortable with. And you know, there's just a lot of things to experience out there and can happen. So there's reasons, you know, drivers quit that first year. But like I said, if, if you can get through the first year of truck driving, uh, you've experienced just about everything in that first year, at least a little bit, you'll continue to improve, you'll get better and you just gain experience from there. So uh, I think that's a good list of what you can kind of expect that first year. I, kind of wrap it back up. Um, you need to be really clear when you're talking to carriers about money expectations. Make sure that they're being realistic with you. Again, I think it's somewhere between that fifty dollars and $80,000 range. If anybody's telling you it's more than that, probably need to ask some more questions. Uh, it's going to be mentally taxing on you and your family, so you need to work through that. One of the things I didn't mention was in order to get through that family stress, make sure your spouse has a good support system at home. And that could be family, friends, uh, parents, something like that, maybe in the small town to help them. That's a big deal. You know, while you're out on the road, if they've got an extra hand there that can help run a kid to, to school or to play practice or whatever that is, but that certainly helps take the pressure off your spouse. So that's a, that's a good one uh, for success there. Uh, I think to improve your your success uh, success rate that first year, proper training is critical. You need to make sure you're aligning yourself with a really good company uh, that's going to invest back in you with that training. Uh, every driver is a little bit different, so they can't just do a cookie cutter type training. They have to realize that your needs might be a little bit different than the last few students that went through there, and they recognize that and they help you. So find a carrier that's very supportive and open with that stuff. Uh, that can be a little trickier with the bigger carriers sometimes. They're just kind of cookie-cutter things, and they, they run everybody through. So maybe a smaller carrier, small to mid-sized carrier, might be a good fit for you uh, when you're just getting started. And then just do the best you can to prepare, prepare yourself for the, the challenges that lie ahead. It's, I know it's exciting, but uh, there certainly will be some there, um, some hurdles and hiccups, and there'll be times you stub your toe. Uh, you'll be fine. Just work through those. Use the resources you have, the skills you have. You've met a lot of people along the way uh, in in the process. And make sure you lean back on those trainers and those mentors and, and all those people that have helped you get this far. They'll help get you the rest of the way through the process. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Driven Too Far. If there's a future topic you'd like to hear about, check us out at driventofar.com and leave a comment.